You are listening to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. This is episode 50. If you want to learn more about how to teach your child at home, you've come to the right place. This conversation centers around how one mom is using lessons and family values to teach her son and set healthy boundaries. Our goal is to provide you with encouragement, insight about African history, and support as a parent and home educator. New episodes are uploaded bi-weekly, so please remember to subscribe and share. If you want to keep this podcast going, consider being a monthly donor and supporting via our Patreon page at a low monthly cost. Visit patreon.com slash cleverlychanging. Today's African proverb is, there are no shortcuts to the top of the palm tree. And that's a Cameroonian proverb. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by Haiti. Yanti cross means a little bit in Creole. grateful that it's 2021. We know that we've had to experience many challenges, like learning how to work while homeschooling and just trying to balance it all. Unfortunately, another thing that we've had to deal with this year is hacking threats, which are at an all-time high. That's why I wanted to recommend protecting your home and your family from hackers with Trend Micro's home network security device. This device easily plugs into your home's router so it can scan for cyber threats. It prevents intrusions, blocks hacking attempts, and protects your family's privacy from unwanted cyber intruders. It also comes with an easy-to-use app so you can monitor all of the network activity in your home. The app includes parental control features so you can block inappropriate sites, limit your kids' Wi-Fi time, and protect their online activity. Last year, Mike had started taking virtual classes for the first time. And I know since they're spending an increased amount of time on the app, I want them to be safe. This device is a necessity in every home. To pick up yours, go to trendmicro.com and use the code CLEVERLY20, all caps, to take $20 off your home network security device purchase. You can also try their free home network security app now available at the App Store. Thanks, Trend Micro, 
for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to join us. We have a new guest for this episode, but before we tell you more about our guest, we want you to know that we need you to share this podcast to um, your friends and your family, people that want to supplement their children's education. So thank you for listening and tuning in. I am your co-host, Elle. I am the mother of twins. My kids are 12 now, and I am excited to be able to support families who are choosing to educate their children. So come on this journey, listen to this conversation, share it with your friends. And Miriam, tell everybody who you are. Hi, I'm Miriam. I am mother of four little people. Um, they range from three to um, 13 now. And I am a writer, a farmer, a creator, educator, many things. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, we have a guest today and I am super, super excited because she is an amazing mom and an amazing woman. Crystal Henry, can you introduce yourself? Well, thank you so much, ladies, for having me on the podcast. I'm glad to be here today. So I am a mom of one, uh, a, a lovely eight-year-old son. I am coming to you from Baltimore, Maryland, where we all reside, myself, my husband, and my son. And I spend my time by day in the education world. And then my passion is writing about all things um, womanhood and motherhood. So that's who I am. Awesome. Awesome. So we are all in Maria, in Maryland. <laughs> so this is a unique um, podcast for us because usually our guests are from so many different states, but we are honored to have someone that is in the same state as us. So this is definitely going to be a treat. And Miriam is also an only child. So I know that she can definitely relate to your son and that whole um, experience. So let's just jump right into this thing. Can you kind of um, tell us about your parenting journey, just a little bit about um, you know, what stands out to you about parenting a young Black son? Well, I initially, I, I don't know why I had this gut feeling that my son in utero was actually a girl. I just had this inkling that I was carrying a girl. So I carried on, you know, for months until the sonogram appointment when we found out that she was in fact a he. And so I remember thinking, oh gosh, like what am I supposed to do with a son? I have no idea what to do. But in the years that have passed, he is eight now. I I could not imagine um, I couldn't imagine anything different. I, I really do think that it was my destiny to be able to have a young male child, to be able to help to rear him, to show him, you know, the experience of what it is like to have um, to have love between you know a mother and a son. 
So, you know, I, I have I have used my my experience being parented by my parents, uh, being in a two parent household and watching my grandparents on both sides as as the real example for me of what it is to mother to to really be there. And, and I say that kind of with some quotation marks, but really to be present, to listen, to, to be supportive, to allow them to try things, um, to allow them to make mistakes. And then also to, to hold them accountable. Um, you know, I, I don't know, some of my friends with were thinking that I would initially be a little bit of a pushover in motherhood and not that I'm strict, you know, I'm not, I'm not walking around with a belt in my hands. Don't, don't get that mistaken. However, I am very firm in what it is that I say. And my son knows that I mean what I say, that I don't say anything that I don't mean. Um, and I, and I have a statement for him that, you know, we can be friendly, but I am not your friend. And he initially, a couple of years ago was extremely offended by that. And I said, well, think about it. I'm your mom. Like if I'm your friend, then we have a totally different relationship. But I think it's, it's very important for me to create that boundary for him as we can laugh, we can joke, we can have a good time. I am your mother first and foremost. And there are things that come along with that. And then when we are, you know, friendly, there are things that come along with that too. So that, that gives a little bit of a, of an overview of, of a perspective of, of my approach. Yes. You talked about, you touched on three things that I want to kind of really get into. The first one that um, you said was be present. And that really strikes me because as parents, and I know Miriam, you know, with four little ones, being present can sometimes be a challenge. And so for all parents, it's not the easiest thing to do, especially right now during this pandemic, when many of us are working from home, trying to raise our kids, cook, a fo- cook our food, uh, run errands do, you know, homeschooling or remote learning or, you know, whatever. We just have a lot on our plate. And so being present, it's it's evolved to what it was pre-pandemic. So can you tell us what being present is for you and your family? First off, it means me putting down the distractions, putting down the phone, closing the laptop, getting up from my desk, because where where we eat, where we play is now where we work, where we work out, where we sleep, where we, you know, have science experiments, where he goes to school, like everything is compounded into one space. So I am very mindful of my time. It means for me to have a hard stop to my workday so that I am not carrying on into the evening. That means me, um, you know, asking him questions about his day. That means me keeping in touch with his teacher. That means me, like I said, putting the electronics down and doing, doing some of the things that I know will show him that I am paying attention to him. Like not just being in his space, but going the extra mile to show him that I'm paying attention to him, especially with him being a single child and with, with my husband and I being his, his, his only other source of real 
um, a real connection with people is is very important. And some days it it looks better than others. Uh, there, you know, and and that's just being honest. Some days I'm like, okay, I kind of hit it out the park. I feel good about this. Other days I think, oh, I can't wait till tomorrow to kind of redo some things. So really, it's it's trial and error. And then part of it is me even being honest with him sometimes about, okay, this didn't really go so well, or I, I got really caught up in what it is that I was doing, or you know, like seeing how I can appropriately share with him a little bit more about my schedule and maybe how my time is so that he can better understand and not think that, um, not think that I'm not trying to, you know, be with him or not trying to spend time with him. So it is, it is communicating a bit more with him about what is going on. Yeah. You mentioned communication. I think that's a big part of being present. So even when you well, when even when I notice that I'm feeling um, unable to really tap in, I just say, look, I need some time. I need some space. I understand you want something. You need something. I can't right now. Just give me, give me two seconds. <laughs> Let me pull myself together and I'll be right back. You know, just things like that to really <laughs> things like that, that can, you know, let them know that you're not trying to disregard them or, you know, push them aside. It's just, I need a minute and I will be right with you. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, the, the, that part is a a real teachable moment because it, it serves several different purposes. Number one, it allows me to be honest with him. It, it, it forces me to be vulnerable with a child in a way that I did not always see my parents be vulnerable with me because I did grow up in a household where it was more of a, you know, do what I say, not as I do. And, you know, I'm the parent and you're the child and you just, you just do. And I wanted to do some things differently when it came to that. So again, where it is appropriate, I will share some things with him. And then it also teaches him, second thing, it teaches him how to be able to, to speak up for himself, how to, how to say, you know, how he's feeling and how to, how to really receive that. I guess that that's, that's the third part too, how to receive that from other people when they share, you know, that there may be a change in schedule or just letting them, letting him know how someone is feeling and having that vulnerable moment. Absolutely. One of the things that that you said um, just then, you said that you and your husband are really his only, you know, people to connect with right now. How are you um, allowing him to connect with others during this time? Yeah, we have... um... We have, he has one, uh, one close friend that, you know, is in our quote unquote bubble, you know, so to speak either way that they will see each other every couple of weeks. And he has, uh, you know, used his, his online abilities to be able to connect with other people and that, you know, he's a pro at Google meet and, you know, using, using zoom to, to have video chats with friends. And when he can see people in person, And then we, so those are the real main ways. And of course, through school, but it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not a hundred percent the way that I really want it to be. And, 
there, I have no solution for that. You know, I, I was saying to a friend, how about every maybe six weeks or so he has a breakdown about something related to being home and, you know, COVID and not being able to connect with other kids. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I can do is really to console him. And, you know, what we do is to console him, to allow him the space to have those emotions and then, you know, support him in, in using his, his coping skills to get through that moment. So those are really some of the ways that we are doing it. And of course, as it gets warmer, we'll be able to be outside more and doing some other things out a little bit more. Yes, yes. I mean, I think what you're doing is great because I think all parents, whether they have, you know, one child or several children, it's a struggle. And I have twins. So of course they have each other, but they miss their friends just like any other kid. And so just like you, they're using Zoom, they're using different apps, you know, that they can play and connect and things like that. So we just have to be a little bit more flexible because I think pre-pandemic, we were very, we were more of a stickler about um, technology and the time that they spend on it. So, you know, we've been a little bit more flexible when it comes to that so that they can connect with other people. And I think having a friend in the bubble that you are communicating with, that's like a lifesaver right there because we all, you know, regardless of how much online interaction we get, we need human interaction. That's just how humans were created. So what you're doing is just fabulous. And I know that there are many people in your shoes that are, you know, trying to figure this thing out. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. And, 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 and like I said, we, we, we try, I try not to take uh, too much in terms of planning for too far into the future. You know, I may be only to see, maybe only able to see one or two days out. You know what I mean? Um, to say, okay, this is what we're going to do tomorrow. Or if I'm clear on kind of what the plans are, because there have been times when, you know, maybe the plans have changed with the friend in the bubble and I misspoke and said, oh, you all are going to get together. And then something happened and they couldn't. And that's a humongous disappointment to a kid. So I am focused on, again, not trying to plan out too far with him but you know really focusing on uh on on the days that are right in front of me that's terrific something else that you had mentioned when you were you know just talking initially was that you discipline him that you were surprised your friends were surprised by how strict or you know that you would be even And so I think discipline is a big part of parenting, but it can be kind of tricky to figure out. And I know that us as, um, you know, parents of color, as diverse families, the standard, the bar is very high for what discipline should look like. How have you really been able to (laughs) kind of navigate that and make it your own so that, you know, you're not doing too much, Mm -hmm. not doing too little, but it feels comfortable for you? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing is that I really have spent some time getting to getting 
really, really paying attention to him, right? And to and to his patterns and how he moves. He's a different kid than than I was. Um, I I have an older sister. I was the you know quote unquote baby, and I was the daring kid. So when you told me that the stove was hot, don't touch it. What did Crystal do? I might have laid on the stove. You know that was me. But my son is not that kid. If you tell him the stove is hot, he'll go over and he'll 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 feel some of the heat, but he's he's not going to touch it. So I have spent time paying attention to his habits and his movements. And I understand that he's getting older. There are some things though that I have already seen now that I'm like, okay, this is a part of who he is. And I have been consistent, right? So when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And he has come to he's come to find that to be true. Uh, we just had a situation two days ago with um, with me finding out, with us finding out that he was not taking care of, of some of his asynchronous work. And I simply showed him the email from his teacher. Like, I'm not a yeller. I'm not a, you know, jump up and down sort of thing. And I said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to take care of that. Do not touch anything related to technology until that's done. And and he he was crushed. I mean, he was absolutely crushed. And, and part of me wanted, a small part of me wanted to break on it just because I saw how much it hurt him, but way more of me said, absolutely not. You know, if I don't set the state, if I don't continue to set the standard, he is going to think that he will not be held accountable. And what we do inside of this house teaches him, it should be teaching him what happens in the rest of the world. So regardless of what happens in anybody else's household, I need him to understand that there are consequences for your actions. There are, there are reactions for every action. And, you know, to, to kind of think to and three steps ahead. You know, like if I don't do this, then my teacher is going to tell my parents and then my parents are going, and I'm trying to teach him a little bit of the game, but you know, he's eight, he doesn't get the game yet, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach. I don't want him to be savvy, but I want him to be smart and to begin to, to think two and three steps down the road when it comes to some things. So I, I, I have been on myself to be consistent and that's a big deal for me. You know, I totally understand where you're coming from when you talk about, you know, towing that line because you don't want them to take it too far. But the the knowledge of how to navigate these systems is absolutely imperative to being and, you know, a real live working adult that is a viable person <laughs> that can uphold themselves and be um, depended on. And to, and I know it's, you know, it's really hard to expect, you know, our kids to think ahead, you know, that's not what a child does. That's not really where they are developmentally, but, you know, you still have to kind of give them these steps and it gets a little tricky. It's like when the kids are getting picked on or something, you want to tell them, look, this is what you say. <laughs> this is what you do, but you can't just say that because then you already know the way things are set up now. Retaliation brings some other kind of retaliation that you don't want. Right. You don't want that extra smoke. And so it's just, I, I it's very difficult to navigate that space because, you know, because we're thinking ahead, then that means they're going to figure out how to get over on me. And, and we don't want that. But at the same time, it's 
we want to raise free thinkers, critical thinkers. We want them to question people in authority. We want them to buck the system in some regards and not just go along to get along because it's not going to be in their best interest all the time. Yeah. And then add on to that, he's a male. So, you know, raising a black male child in 2020 and 2021 and beyond now has mm. a very different meaning. And I can only imagine that, you know, my father, he was a baby boomer and, you know, my husband was born in the seventies, you know, that I, I believe that being a black male has always um, had a very special, uh, you know, role in society. I think even more now it's, 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 it's even more heightened. And then to raise him in this day and age where he, you know, sees um, images on television where he hears about, you know, what has happened to people of color, other teenage boys, um, grown adult men, grown adult women, and then even to see what's happening in our political system now, it it takes on a very different meaning. And it's something that we do talk about. We talk about within reason, according to what he can handle. You know, I, we will I, we will give him the space to ask questions. I don't push him. I will ask him if he has questions and he will express them. Sometimes they'll just come out of the clear blue and we will answer them and, you know, give him the space and I give him the space to be able to know that he can ask us anything and that we will answer him and be honest with him about it. That's great. Can you, you kind of said a few things. You said that you, um, tell him not to touch his technology. You also don't yell. What are some other ways that you discipline him in a gentle way? A lot of talking, a lot of talking, sometimes to the point of nausea, but um, there, there's a lot of talking and a lot of processing, honestly, to, to help him to think about his choices, to think about his um, the the impact of his choices. And, you know, that right there, the, the conversation piece is what really drives it home for him because he is more of an oral processor. And so when he's able to talk through it and then to ask questions and then to let it digest and then to, you know, share a thought, that helps to really lock it in. So that, that really is what we do a lot of, and we don't have to do a lot of, you know, removing things from him because, you know, sometimes it may only take a, a small reminder, you know, like make sure you do this or think about what you're going to say before you say it, you know, like a, a lot of those reminders for him uh, to, to, to be mindful of, am I, am I answering quickly because this is the truth or am I answering quickly because it's just the first thing that came to mind and I didn't put any thought into whether or not I really did brush my teeth. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So a lot of conversations that really is probably the, the, the main um, tool that, that I use a lot um, and one of the most gentle ways that I use. That's awesome. I mean, you know, when you were saying that, I thought of parables, you know, storytelling does teach lessons and it did way back thousands of years ago and we're still using that method today. So I think that is awesome. <laughs> one of the things that you mentioned, you mentioned discipline, you mentioned be present, and you also mentioned boundary. 
setting boundaries with your child. So, you know, you touched on it when you were talking about discipline and the storytelling and everything. What are some other ways that you set boundaries that really help him, you know, understand? I think, you know, setting boundaries with our children is something that our parents did with us, but they definitely took it to an extreme. And so now in the new millennium, I think we're trying to find a, a happy medium, a balance with, you know, what is a healthy boundary? So can you kind of expound on that? Sure. One of the things that that comes to mind is now that he's old enough to know you know, who people are, for instance, if I get a phone call in the car, which, you know, pre-COVID was a lot more regular, but let's say I got a phone girlfriend and maybe she has something good to tell me. And, you know, now he knows people and he can connect the parts. So, you know, of course I would get off the phone, but even now I think about, okay, I have to let him know this is, this is my conversation. This is not a conversation that involves you. And I, I say it, just like that. Or if he sees, um, like a, for instance, a, a phone call may come in the car and he may say, oh, this is, that's so-and-so, or, you know, and I said, this is a phone call for me, or, you know, this, this is a boundary because what I don't want him to think is that because he knows the people in, in, in our life and because, you know, the lines are, are, are crossing that, that my business is his business because it is not. Um, and there were a few times in the very beginning, I think maybe a couple of years ago when he got a little bit offended by that, about me telling him, you know, that, that this conversation did not involve him or if I was discussing something, you know, with his dad at home and, you know, I'm like, this is, this is, between me and your dad this is not a conversation between the two of I and it could have been about I don't know toilet paper or something else but again teaching him that unless we involve him in the conversation it is not for him to just jump into and to really interject in um and then also another big boundary I set for him is when it is just my time for my own, for my own space. You know what I mean? So, so now with being home in a pandemic, Saturdays feel different. However, it's still a break from the work week. And so if I have to say, I'm going to take a nap or I'm going to lay down or I'm going to go for a drive, then that's what it is that I'm going to do. And I do not, I don't, um, I don't feed into sometimes the the myriad of questions that he may have, you know, well, well, where did you go? What did you do? What did you buy? What did you do? What you, you know, I'm like, mm -mm. I went out, I came back. It's good to see you. And that's it. And that is a boundary for me because again, if I, if I open that door up, then imagine how he may interact with other adults with, questioning them about their patterns and behaviors and, and some of the choices that they make. And the same thing with him. I, I, I model for him what I want to him to see. So I don't do that with him. I don't bombard him with a lot of questions or if he's on a video call with his friends, I'm not jumping into the call or, Hey, so-and-so it's good to see, you know? So again, I'm showing him and I'm telling him what it is that I want to see. And, and that's big to, to double it with, you know, showing him as well. I like your two-step approach. Wow, that's, that's a powerful lesson. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Now, I have a question because a lot of us, as you said, El, are making conscious effort and putting conscious effort into doing things differently 
than our parents may have raised us. I find that a lot of my grownups, even though I guess technically I'm a grownup, I still feel like I'm a little kid all the time. <laughs> and so I still refer to my adults as my grownups. So even, even at my age, the grownups will still say things like, you better let them know you need to do this or that. And I'm like, look, that's not how I do things. And I appreciate your concern. But do you have any, um, any pushback from the grownups in your life? And if you do, how do you handle their, um, I'll say, concerned intrusion? <laughs> it, it, um, it, it is, it, it's on a case by case basis. And really, it probably ha- has really only, honestly, number one has come from people that that know us and that love us and that have our best interests at heart. Um, and, you know, it, it may be my mother saying, oh, he needs to have shoes on in the house when he likes to go bare feet, you know? And so sometimes I will, I will have a response for it. More often than not, I won't respond to a comment. And so I've been clear to say, is this a question or is this a comment? And I say this to myself because if it is a comment, then a comment doesn't need to be addressed. And especially when it comes to how we operate inside of our home. It's different, let's say, if I go to someone else's home and you know there's a comment or a question that's being made about how we parent with a particular situation. But when we are inside of our home, and there's a comment being made, let's say about him not having shoes on or, you know, something else, then I let that comment be that comment. And, you know, earlier on, I would have a response for everything. And I, there were some times when I felt myself, you know, having this struggle to have to have something to say for everything. And then, you know, my husband's point is, Crystal, you don't have to address it. Why are you even, why are you even addressing it? And so again, it's like, is this a question or is it a comment? Because if it's a comment, then that's your opinion and you are entitled to your opinion. But I, I don't have to respond to that because that right there will, it will easily reel me in. And where, you know, as moms, we feel like we have to explain our choices to get someone to better understand them when honestly, this choice doesn't impact you. It doesn't hurt him. And I'm not going to have him to make a choice that's going to harm him um, in any type of way. So if it's no shoes in the house, guess what? The, the natural consequences, your feet will be cold. And then you know what to do to solve that problem. But if your feet don't get cold, then your feet don't get cold. That's the end of it. He's got a million pairs of slippers. But I don't have the energy to keep reminding him to put stupid slippers on all day long, you know? But again, I, I just, I have learned to not respond to everything. Everything doesn't need a response. What you're just talking about, it made me think of marriage. Like you have to, you have to pick certain things. Everything you don't need to comment on is just not healthy. And that's the same with our kids. So while we're talking about marriage, you said that you and your husband, you know, discuss how you're going to, um, you know, raise your kid. And one of the things that you talked about is that you also had a two-parent home. So what is it that you want your kid to see from the interaction that you have with your husband? 
Yeah, the, the beautiful thing is that both my husband and I um, came from two parent households. And prior to my father's passing, our parents were married for there was only a, a one year difference in the number of years that they were married. So our parents have similar stories of being together for quite a while. And what I want to show my son is that number one, marriage is possible, that it works, that it looks good, you know, that that regardless of what the world says, marriage is a good thing and that you can be married and have fun. You can be married and have a disagreement, but that doesn't mean that it's the end. You can be married and have your own life, um, your, your own interests. Let me say that you can have your own interests. Um, you can have, you know, your you, you can be able to pursue your hopes and dreams through your marriage. You know, you can have someone that is your that is your definite, you know, cheerleader. You can you can you can have so many good things out of a marriage and that is one of the things that I like that he sees is that we date each other is that we have time for he and I, he may, you know, th so Thursdays are our date nights and he may go over to his grandparents' house around the corner on Thursdays. And so now we, we order in, you know, we go get and get takeout. So the other day he said, Oh, is that from your date night? And, you know, so he says that and I said, yes. And so I was talking about a movie that we watched. He said, Oh, did you watch that on your date night? Yes, we did. And that's the end of it. And that's a boundary too, because I'm not discussing with my son, you know, what I'm doing with his dad, who is my husband first, you know, on, on our time together. But I want him to see that that marriage works and not everyone in our circle is married. And, you know, but but those that are, he knows it and he may ask questions about you know, how many years they've been married, or he will ask us questions about our wedding and, and our marriage and, you know, look at pictures and really put all the pieces together. But I want him to, to understand that regardless of what he decides in his adult life, that that marriage is possible and that it is attainable um, in this in this day and age. Yes. Wow. That's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that both of you came from a similar background. Was that something that attracted you to your husband? Absolutely, it was. I, be, because he had an understanding of what marriage looked like and not from a, not, not with, you know, rose colored glasses and not with, um, and not with strife either. You know what I mean? Because our, our, our parents, both their, their marriages, you know, of course, marriages ebbs and they, they, they ebb and flow. Right. And so we were both able to see that from our perspective as, as second children, because he's the youngest as well. And I, I like that his parents um, mirrored my parents in a lot of ways. And that, that made me feel comfortable that because he had that foundation and because he saw that growing up, that he uh, would know what to, what to begin to, to model himself afterwards, that he had a direct example in his household, um, whether he wanted to follow that or not, you know, that he had that example. And, and I appreciated that a lot. Yes. Yes. So I think that, you know, having kids see positive behaviors in marriage is something that is invaluable. You know, because they, they can take that on for the future, of course, when they're in a relationship, but it's actually good for all types of relationships, even friendships, 
So seeing how people resolve conflicts in a healthy way, seeing how people communicate respectfully, how they interact, like there are so many lessons that can be learned just from seeing two people together in the same room. And so it sounds like you all were very intentional about how you reared him, you know, how you're doing it because you're still in the process of doing it. And, you know, I think there are hundreds and thousands of families that definitely would love to be on the same page with their spouse, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they don't necessarily know how to get on the same page. So did you guys have conversations prior to having a child about how you would raise a child or did it just fall into place? Well, we, we did. And we actually waited um, four years after being married before we decided to have a child. And, you know, I, I'm glad I know that that's not everyone's journey. I'm glad that we were able to have that foundation because I like to refer to that as our as our single married days, you know, when we could just up and go without a care in the world. And, you know, when when we made the decision to to begin to have kids, it was it was on purpose. And, you know, we and then things really fell into place. You know, there was, a, of course, trial and, 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 um, and error, but things fell into place. And that's where we relied on our on our parents, on on our sisters, on the people in our lives who had already had children and reared them and then relied on our own memory and relied on each other, you know, because at, at, at after all of the opinions and, um, you know, ideas that others would share, we had to make the decision for ourselves. And so we grew in our confidence with our decisions that we were making for our son and related to our household. And it really, the his, uh, my husband's, uh, I guess, position on things is like, look, once I make the decision, I make it and it doesn't necessarily have to involve a lot of people. And, you know, it took me a little while to get to that point in my in, in my motherhood journey because a new mom, you know, it, it comes with so much, you know, to it. And everybody has their opinion of how you're supposed to do this and how you're supposed to do that. And really it's the, those are, you know, sort of those step-by-step -step sort of things. But I was more concerned with the overall, I am responsible for raising a whole person, you know, in the world, like forget diapering and, you know, feeding and sleep. I, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, am I going to show him the right example? But that's the kind of stuff that I rely more on the conversations that my husband and I had and the decisions that we made. And again, the confidence that we built to say, we're going to go in this direction. And if this doesn't work, then we'll make some adjustments, but we don't, you know, we're going to, we're going to rely on each other for this. Mm, that's very powerful. So yeah. you have a lot on your plate. And I know that your your son is able to witness you, you know, working and also fulfilling your own dreams. So you're an entrepreneur. How are you really showing him, you know, these business lessons that he can apply to now, he can apply to the future? And, you know, how are you kind of sharing with him your world and um, teaching him about entrepreneurship while he's young. 
Well, the first thing is that I don't make it a secret, you know, to him. Um, I, I I have told him from the very beginning when he could really, you know, be able to understand what it is that I'm doing. So he can tell you about Around the Way Mom probably better than I can in some ways. But and, and I have also involved him in in what I'm doing. Um, so with the with with my mom chat series, he was a part of that. You know, he was home while we were filming. Um, you know, he will see me uh, just like before this, before our call, I let him know. I said, hey, I have a call. I talk with him about it. I said, I just need a few minutes when I come out that I'm, you know, I'm all yours. So I don't keep that a secret and I involve him in it. And I that has helped him to begin to to dream more about what he wants to do. So he he has some business ideas. He now wants to pursue acting, you know, all these different things. And I think seeing that you can do multiple things shows him that there that that's a possibility. You know, seeing his dad as well doing multiple things, it shows that there's a possibility that you do not have to only be one thing. You can make a choice. You can be one thing, you can do two things, you can do three things. And that was something that, you know, again, thinking about how I grew up, part of the lesson was you get a, you, you go to college, you get a job, you work that job, you retire from that job and that's it. And, it, you know, it, it was not, I didn't see the lessons that I'm showing him necessarily all the way. Now, my father did venture into entrepreneurship um, later on, but initially it wasn't anything that I saw. So I don't, I don't keep it a secret and I talk to him about it. I involve him in it when I can. And I, I share the, I share the wins with him. I share with him some of my ideas. I share with him some of the things that didn't go well, you know, so that he knows all of these different pieces and parts. Um, and I like that he's able to see that. Mm, wow. So you've been doing so much, teaching him so much. One of the other things that you kind of touched on in the conversation is that you let him see you practice self-care. Yes. So how are you incorporating self-care right now during this crazy time how are you able to, what, you know, what does it even look like for you? Mm -hmm. It looks like me exercising at home in the morning, uh, in the living room, in the family room, uh, jumping rope outside, going for walks. It looks like me um, cooking is a way that I like to, you know, express myself at home. So it looks like me, you know, sort of meal prepping and, and cooking. Um, it looks like me taking a nap when I want to take a nap. It looks like me going for a drive when I want to go for a drive. It looks like me having a, a, a phone conversation or a video call with my girlfriend and talking loud and, and laughing hard, you know. Um, it looks like me watching something on TV that I want to watch. Um, it looks like me saving money. You know, I, I talk with him about the fact that, okay, I'm saving money because I realized that, you know, I think financial self-care is one of those parts that doesn't get touched on a lot. But hey, if I don't have if I don't have the money, then I can't do some of these other things. So I talk with him about, you know, sometimes some of some of the choices that I've made 
um, with my money. And, you know, it looks like me putting myself first in some different ways. And again, you know, like having, having a stop time to my work day or making sure that I'm eating, making sure that, you know, that I'm doing these things for myself that I'm doing for him, um, and for, and for his dad. And sometimes it comes with an explanation. Sometimes, you know, again, kids are, are better taught through what they can see and what they see you do on a regular basis. And these are things that, that I am about, you know, I realize that if I'm not taking care of myself, I am no good for anybody in this house and the house isn't good either. (laughs) Right. Right. True. So true. I have a question about, did you see, did your mother model? Oh, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, I was just going to say, did your mother model what self-care was for you? Not necessarily. It was not honestly, um, probably until maybe really high school-ish when, um, and I was talking with my mother about this and trying to remember the year when my mother decided that she wanted to buy herself a fur coat. And so she created a separate bank account. And at that time, her and my dad had all the money combined. And it was a big deal in our household for my mom to have a separate bank account. And, you know, part of that was like, you know, she wanted to do something for herself. Right. And that my dad at that at that time didn't see it in that way. And then fast forward to after my dad passed, that's when I began to see my mother practice more self-care. So it wasn't modeled for me in that way. But on the flip side, it was clearly modeled um, through through me watching my mother-in-law. You know, I, I would look at my mother-in-law and she would, you know, say, I'm going out with my girlfriends or I'm going to do this for myself or I'm going to do that for myself. And I remember sometimes sitting back thinking, whoa, that's a little different. You know, you're the same age as my mom. Like, this is kind of different. And I, I watched the examples and I thought to myself, okay, I don't have to put myself on the back burner for the sake of my kids and forget all about myself. Um, and, you know, for, for that. And again, this doesn't mean that my mom didn't do it all the time because I remember being with her at, at Jazzercise, right. Or, being with her and she was very active um, in her church. And, and that was a part of what she did to, to really feed herself. It, it, it is, it was just modeled in a slightly different way. And it, and it makes me think about how I want, you know, again, my son to understand that we all are taking care of ourselves individually. And then we take care of ourselves as a family, you know, collectively. Well, I was just going to ask you about making the time because you're a wife, you're a mom, and you've got your own business. And I know that when when it comes to, you know, managing everything, it's very easy to say, oh, well, I'll get to me later. So what are some of the ways that you are intentional about giving yourself about giving yourself the time and the space to go and jump rope outside or go for a drive? Mm-hmm. Well, part of it is, you know, um, me, well, I, I, I will wake up a little bit earlier, you know, and, and honestly, it, it comes down to, I think, making the time, you know, we I always say that, that we make the time for what we want to make the time for. And I, I, with all the different things, everything doesn't happen in the, in, 
every single day. So be, be clear on that. You know, some days I am, you know, focusing more on the social self-care. Some days I'm focusing more on the physical self-care. Some days I'm focused more on the, on the financial self-care. It does. I'm not, I don't, I don't force myself to look at all the areas and to kind of focus on all of them every day, but I will in my own mind, set my intention for the next day. Right. So today is, um, today's a Sunday. I'm like, okay, I already know in my mind, I am going to jump rope tomorrow morning. So what do I need to do so that I'm setting myself up right so that that can happen? You know, that means I need to get to bed a little bit earlier. I need to make sure that my clothes are clean, you know, and that's me because I'm going to do that before the rest of the household gets up and gets moving. So it doesn't have any, anything to do with anybody else. And, you know, I will, I will put things on a calendar in a heartbeat. We have a family calendar and, you know, things will go on there that I know will, will impact, you know, the rest of the household. When I have a call, when I have, you know, a meeting, when I need to be gone, I'll put those things on there so that there is no discrepancy involved. Um, and then, you know, again, when I can find the time to squeeze in some of that time for myself, I'm, I'm going to squeeze it in. So it sounds like you have a daily practice, which I find amazing and wonderful. And I'm low key jealous just a little bit. <laughs> but remember, some days are better than others. Some days. Of, course, of course, some days are definitely better than others. Yeah. But again, I, I just I really do think about, you know, a couple of things that I want to get done for that following day and try not to put the the pressure on myself to say, I'm going to get all of it done, you know, in one day, because it could be if I say, okay, I'm going to focus on the laundry on Tuesday. It could be that it gets washed and dried and it's still sitting in the dryer. You know, it, it, it got clean, you know what I mean? So it's, you know, everything, um, it, it may take on different forms. And again, it has, it's definitely looked different being home during a pandemic. So I am giving myself the space to, to allow it to look different as well. You just talked about the family calendar. And for the first time since the pandemic, we implemented a family calendar and we're actually using Google. What tool are you using for a family calendar? Google, Google, Google. So we, I have a tab, you know, I, I have a drop down for me. We have a drop down for family. I will send an invite to my husband's work calendar. So that way it can show up on both. I'll send an invite to my son, you know, through his emails, it will show up on his calendar. That Google uh, calendar has been a lifesaver because it's been a couple of times where my husband has said, wait, that wasn't on the calendar. <laughs> I said, oh yeah, I kind of forgot to put that on the calendar. But this way, because we are both very, actually all three of us are accustomed to using a calendar now with, you know, my husband now, of course, with work, but now with my son for being in school virtually, that has played, has taken on a very different role for him. So he is accustomed and knows how to handle it. If he didn't, then it may look like us using some kind of written form in the household, but really the Google calendar is what works best and talking about it. So we will, you know, do our best on a Sunday or a Monday over dinner to say, let's just run through the week and kind of talk about what we each have on tap for the week and, you know, take it from there. Um, and if that doesn't happen, then of course we still have the Google calendar that we are always, you know, checking to make sure we know what's going on. 
I love that you just said that you kind of have like a family session, a family planning session. You know, with this being the new year, so many families are like, you know, they don't want to do resolutions, but family planning is so essential. And I think for us, it was also something that we implemented um, this year. We sat down with everybody in the family and we talked about what they wanted to work on, what they liked about um you know, what type of activities they want to get into, maybe some things that they don't want to do that, you know, happened in the past. How do you really incorporate him? Do you give your kid a say in those family sessions? And how do you kind of go about that? Yeah, with our with our weekly um, family meetings, uh, he will will we'll sit around and say, "All right, family meeting time. What's on What's on your schedule?" And we go one by one, and then we talk about it. When it came down to a to a resolution this year, he was asking a lot of questions about it, and he was asking me, you know, asking us both about our resolutions, and um, and we began to talk about them. And so he decided on his own without any prompting. He said, well, my resolution is I want to try new things. And I said, okay, you know, and so I began to ask him questions. Well, well, what does that look like for you? You know, try, I said, try new things is very broad. What does that look like? So one of the things for him was, um, you know, wanting to try some new foods, right? So as we even went over this last week, he said something, he said something about not trying something. I said, oh, well, remember your resolution? He said, you're right. I did say I was going to try new things. So I'm going to try that, you know, and so he be, he's beginning to apply it to different parts of his life. I know that as his mom, I'm going to, you know, help to remind him sometimes if he's being a little bit resistant with some things, just saying, hey, I thought you were going to try new things and try new things could look like trying a new way of thinking, you know, not even a thing, but perhaps a new approach. So, yes, we, we do. Um, we did talk about it. And it's something that we um, that we all play a part in when it comes to our to our regular family meetings. Wow. You know, I when you were talking, I was thinking about just this weekend, my daughter said to me, hey, mom, I remember that you wanted to exercise, you know, for at least 30 minutes a day. Some days you missed it. (laughs) And I was like, you know, you're right. And I said, remember that it's a goal. So I'm not going to, you know always do everything I want to do and that's okay like I'm showing her that I'm giving myself great (laughs) so that you know we definitely it's it's something that I want to do and I'll get better and I'm okay with her you know I have no but then I want to help each other out we have to you know exercise as a family and so once she said that it also dawned on me that I need to be intentional about keeping my word and really sticking with it because she's watching me So I just, um, you know, I just thought that was something that really just kind of resonated with me that you guys do, because it is something that we're trying to do and just get her at. You know, we're never at a point where we're at a level where we've just done everything we're supposed to. We're always at a level where we can do a little bit better. We can grow. And so that's what we have to really show our kids. It's okay to grow. It's okay to make mistakes. You said that earlier. And I think that's so true. So I just, you know, all that you've shared with us has just been enriching. It's been powerful. And is there anything else you want our listeners to know? Really in, in this day and time, take the time to, 
to really listen to your kids um, and to, to, to really tap into that, um, to, to some of that emotional intelligence and helping them to build up the ability to, to be vulnerable, you know, demonstrating that for them, talking with them about how they feel, giving them a space to express um, what they're thinking, uh, give them a space to ask questions, making it a safe space for them. Um, because when we can, when we can demonstrate that and set the stage for that, that can help to, to make them feel safe. And really that's what it's about because with, with the pandemic, it's taken their, their feeling of safety and security because it certainly has taken mine, you know, it may toss it around, you know, here and there. And, and with a kid who has less of an ability to understand what's happening, then I can only imagine sometimes the fear that he has felt or the uncertainty that he has felt. So really giving your kids the space um, to ask questions and to share how they feel and then answer them honestly. If you don't know, many a time I've said, I don't know. And sometimes, you, you know, even realizing that depending on what it is that they share, we may not have to have an answer for it. They may just need a space to simply say how they feel and to, you know, feel like it's a, it's a, it's done in a safe space. So that's really important for me. I think that's beautiful. And it's, you know, it's very, I don't want to say difficult, but it can be challenging at times as an adult to, you know, kind of restrain from hanging our adultness over our children and, and trying to, you know, push them into our way of thinking or, you know, giving them that space to say something because really it's what we really want them to do, especially in their younger years so that it becomes habit. So when they get older, they are more comfortable coming to us with these things. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful sentiment to quote. And, and and even, you know, with them sharing it, you know, you can maybe not in that moment, but maybe it's afterwards at another point in time, be it, you know, like be able to explain or, you know, teach how to how, how to how to phrase things. Right. So that they're not offensive or, you know, teaching that. But in a moment when it's raw emotion, you know, just let it hang out. But, you know, it, again, those are all teachable moments to be able to teach teach our kids how to say things to adults that could be, that are more sensitive, but they can be said respectfully. Um, and, you know, teaching them how to have dialogue about things that it doesn't have to be a, you know, my way or the highway, or I'm just going to walk around with these thoughts and not be able to express them at all. But, you know, it, and it takes time. That's what it really takes. That's what I really wanted to say is like, I think as parents with us doing so many things, we may not, find the time. We may not, I don't always want to take the time, but that's the biggest, um, they are our biggest investment, our most important investment and, and time is what it's going to cost us. Okay. Well, yes, the time and the investment, I totally agree with you there. It's very, um, it's, it's just hard to really, you know, step out of ourselves and, and do what's required you know I, I don't know maybe some people find it easier I don't always <laughs> but you know it, it's hard to you know put my authority behind me in order to really service their needs and give them the tools to navigate 
situations and you know life in general yeah 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 you're not alone in that oh well please do share your contact information and how we can get in contact with you on the social media Great. So I am pretty active on Instagram and um, I am at round the way mom. Unfortunately, I don't have rights to around the way mom, but I am at round the way mom. And then the website is around the way mom.com. So those are the main two places where you can be able to find me and to contact me, interact with me um, in any of those locations. Awesome. Awesome. Now, everybody, I will put Crystal's link in the show notes. So for those of you, I mean, it's very easy to remember, so you can totally go there. But if you need to click on the link, definitely visit our show notes page so that you can get access to how you can connect with her because she is a wealth of knowledge. I just love what you said, what you shared, and just your transparency. So I think it's very healthy you know, just your whole approach to parenting. And I know that you have a lot of valuable information on your website that people should definitely check out. So thank you for your time. Thank you for being willing to just talk to us and and get to know us in this, you know, way. So I appreciate it having you on the Cleverly Changing Podcast. And thank you so much for the invitation. It was a great, 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 great conversation. Thank you. All right, everybody. Well, we hope that you're having a wonderful time with your families and we want you to connect and get to know each other. And again, share this episode with your friends. All right. Bye now. Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mugs, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.